All right, hey everyone, welcome to episode five of Bubba the Hunter with your host, Robin Ryan. And uh, we all know the soapbox is never too far away from Ryan. So, uh, how's it going today, Ryan? <laughs> yeah, I don't know how to take this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's going good. good. It's, it's true, though, right? Huh? Yeah, yeah. It's, um, I guess it's true. Yeah. Um, I don't <laughs> mind speaking my mind, I guess. You know, yeah. I so. feel like, uh, you know, I feel like a little bit of, uh, Will Smith, sometimes people just need slapped in the face. Oh, yeah. <laughs> With the truth. Yeah, there you go. You know, it, Wait. that's funny because, not funny, haha, but like the interesting thing about humans is, right? And social media is a good avenue for this. You will say a lot of things on social media, not you, but people in general will say a lot of things on social media that they wouldn't say to anybody's face. And I've always tried to not say anything on social media that I wouldn't say to somebody's face. I just feel like that's that's just the best advice to live by. So, yeah, I get on soapboxes sometimes and uh, I say what I think. No, we would have it no other way, Ryan. Get on that soapbox. I know it's it's always right near you, but yeah, we all we that's what we do at Bubba here. Keep it real, right? We're not we're not stroking no corporate egos. Um, just, uh, some average guys talking about hunting, fishing, the outdoors, whatever else. So yeah, always keep it close by. Right. So, Hey, we, we, uh, did you do any fishing this weekend with the kids? I know it was youth day in Pennsylvania. I did. Yes. Um, we had a blast. It was cold. I think it was 20, of course. Yeah, 20, yeah, 27 <laughs> degrees and it actually snow flurried, but you know, we're on a mountain stream and very picturesque and uh, man we had fun we caught we caught fish um I, I have some video and i think maybe we'll upload it on the bubba instagram page um but nice it, for sure yeah we'll, we'll put that on once when this drops look for uh the that video on instagram right so i have twin five-year-olds and some may know and some may not but i have twin five-year-olds a boy a girl and uh they just love the outdoors and especially the little boy, his name's Jackson and the little girl, <clears throat> her name's Harper. And, but she's just ex excited. But Jackson was so excited that he was awake at about two 30 AM <laughs> standing at my bed, wanting to know when the sun was going to get up. Um, Talk about fish miss Eve. Fish miss Eve. It was this dude. <laughs> man, like, I, tell him, awesome. I have to, like if I'm planning a hunting or a fishing trip, like it's, we have to speak in code around the house because if his little ears hear it <laughs> and he finds out he's not going that, I mean, it's just, I feel so bad. Like, I, I mean, when I like, it makes me generally feel bad. So anyway, yes, he was up. I had to put him back to bed you know, said, you got, you got some time. And he was just like, he just doesn't want to wait. The, why do we have to wait? And it's cute because he thinks he calls either the sunrise, it, he calls both sunrise and sunset, the sunset. And he was like, well, the sunset's coming pretty soon. And, uh, you know, he gets it confused with the sunrise. But the, or he, sometimes right. he says when the sun wakes up. Anyway, we did fishing. We had a lot of fun. Uh, we caught trout. It was actually his first trout and Harper's first trout. And uh, you can see in the video the enthusiasm in his voice. But honestly, like we didn't do a good job of capturing uh, the enthusiasm of his face, but he was just ecstatic. So we've made plans to go again. He wants to buy a raft for the river. Um, he, <laughs> it's just now fishing. Like you said on the episode, uh, the last episode that fishing season never goes out. I have a feeling yeah. that fishing season is not going to go out in this house. <laughs> that is nice. You know, that's what it's all about too. That is just awesome. Getting up at two thirty, fish Eve. Oh man, that's a story right there. You like to hear, Ryan? That's great. Yeah, and um, you know what? There wasn't a lot. So it was Youth Day in Pennsylvania. And they have a uh, a Youth Trout Day, which I don't know how many years they've had it now. They all, they definitely didn't have it when I was a kid. But I was really yeah. surprised. And there's a lot of fisheries though. But I was really surprised there was not a lot of people out. Maybe it was the weather. Um, but uh, I mean, it's not like we had the whole stream to ourselves. There were a few others, but I mean, as far as I could see, left and right, there was not another person. Uh, I saw a few other vehicles here and there, but uh, and you know, a few kids on some easy access spots type of deal. 
but uh where we were at nobody so man that's pretty cool whenever you get the the first crack type of deal yeah that's great that's uh you know it's good that uh there, it wasn't so elbow to el- elbow for them uh, but it certainly would be nice to see more kid kiddos out there yeah. Uh, but uh yeah the weather possibly maybe it'll be a little better this saturday for the uh official opening day of trout season in pennsylvania yeah so, so um, there you know that's crazy we talked about it a little bit before but man opening day of trout season in pa is something right oh it is yeah. yep so uh, here's a question for the listeners yeah. maybe they can get back at us so um, I don't keep trout. I used to when I was younger and, you know, we do a lot of cooking around here and now I've fished in the West, um, and, you know, I've caught some natives and not, I guess, non-stocked fish, um, and they taste different. And once I've got a taste for those, uh, the fish that are stocked in Pennsylvania, uh, just don't do it for me. So all of our trout we caught Saturday were, uh, hooked in the lip. So we threw them all back. And actually, one person I did see on the way out, he asked the kids if, hey, did you catch anything? He's like, yeah, we caught fish. He's like, where are they at? You know, and we threw them back. And he had like, you know, three or four on a stringer or whatever it was. And I remember my my kids were looking at me like, well, why don't we keep ours? And then I kind of felt bad, you know, like, man, maybe we should have kept them. And then anyway, you know, so I go back and forth. To me, I guess it's personal preference. I don't really care to eat them. I don't think they taste well. You know, I don't know what they're fed uh, while they're being raised. I mean, they were just stocked. I actually looked up on the computer. They were stocked on February 24th. So, you know, we were about a month removed from eating whatever it was in, in the, in the ponds. I just chose not to eat them. And I think that's fine. Uh, I think there's a lot of sport and fun in catching fish. So, uh, what do you say? Catch or release? Yeah, that's a good question for the listeners out there. I agree. Uh, the stock trout that I've caught in Pennsylvania, I yeah, I just the taste is not there. But you know, that's something that uh, we could run by our executive chef that we'll have uh, on this episode here. That's a good question for him. I'm sure he could make it make some good trout recipes there. So, yeah. um, but yeah, I'm I'm pretty much the same way. Uh, I used I've kept them used to keep them before when I was younger, but anymore going out, it's fun and uh, just you know catch and release. Yeah, cool. I was wondering. So you're so, going Saturday, right? You're coming. You're coming back home to your stomping grounds for uh, yeah, making a trek back home to Western PA. Fishmas uh, Eve. Fishmas Eve on uh, Friday, April first. April that that'll be April already. How about yeah, April fourth. Uh, yeah, and then uh, Saturday, and like you said last episode, I believe eight a.m. is when they you can make the first cast out. But yeah, we'll certainly we'll have breakfast with my dad out in the pavilion, uh, and. Uh, do some stream fishing in Western PA. So yeah, looking cool, forward to right? it. So it's all, it, yeah. what stream are you fishing? So we fish in the Stony Creek, which runs right along my dad's land. Um, and interesting enough, we'll also be my, my son, Caden. He's definitely looking forward to it. My dad had last summer built this nice little uh, cabin, something little cabin like you see on uh, Alaska, the last frontier. Mm. So he built a little cabin right on his, uh, his land back towards the stream. And uh, we're going to, it's off the grid, no electricity. Uh, so hopefully it's not too cold in uh, Pennsylvania on uh, Fishmas Eve night there. But yeah, we're going to be staying in the cabin. Got two cots in there and uh, doing a little off the grid before uh, going out and fishing on Saturday. Yeah, it can't be that. So, There's something about fish camp, like a off the grid yeah. fish camp. I mean, I've been in a lot of hunting camps and only a few fish camps, like where, you know, you're, you show up with the, the sole intentions of fishing. Like I've been a lot of hunting camps where you fish as well, right? Like when you go up north into Canada and such, you always, you know, I've done a few spring bear hunts and you always end up fishing and out West, if you're elk or mule deer hunting or even antelope hunting and it kind of gets slow, you end up, you know, casting a line here and there. But when you just, the pure intention is to fish. um, That's a pretty cool, that's a pretty cool camp, you know, fish camp, fish Eve. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So for a lot of listeners times. out there and you know, I don't know if Pennsylvania it's just, it's it's when you talk outdoor recreation in PA, you're talking hunting and fishing and everything that go along, goes along with it and we have you know so many people involved. Um it's just really cool to experience, like you call it, the fish Eve, uh, the opening day of buck season or the Sunday. Well, I guess I should say the Friday before now, but it used to be what was the Sunday before buck season. 
Yeah. Um, yep. I mean, and a good old yeah, days. back in the good old days. But schools are closed, right? Like kids don't yep. go to school on the opening day of Bucksies. Now it's the opening two days. Um, you know, it's just uh, growing up, and I, I I I go back to this a lot. Why do I have the level of interest that I do in hunting and all things outdoors? Um, you know, growing up, it was just I don't. It was part social. It was you know part the uh, our family always got together um you know for the opening day of trout season and the opening day of buck season that's just how it was like we hosted thanksgiving at our house uh and then that weekend the hunters you know filled in type of deal and um some people stayed from thanksgiving and others came in friday and saturday and it was just a great social time we small game hunted that saturday rabbit and grouse and then you know, same thing for trout season, people you hadn't saw all year or maybe just, you know, some family members on the holidays and then boom, you find them on the opening day of trout season or the Friday before. And, uh, when I was a young kid that, that had a big, uh, effect on me that, uh, it really set me in my ways, if you will. And, you know, I was just asked, um, so there's a, <clears throat> There's an organization out there called the PBS Professional Bow Hunter Society, of which at one point I was a member of, and I'm not anymore. And it's a great society. It's a fraternal organization. They're not legislatively or ag- advocately, you know, they don't do anything like that. It's just a, a a group of of people who belong to the same club type of deal, and they're all bow hunters. <clears throat> and most of them, for the biggest part, are probably re- uh, traditional type hunters, recurves and um, long bows and self bows and so forth. And, you know, I fool with that as well. So somebody, one of the members, uh, uh, he reached out to me via email and said, you know, I want your opinion on something. He's getting up in age. And he said, how do you feel? Let's just say health reasons. How do you feel about somebody using a crossbow? And this isn't a soapbox issue, Rob. So don't even go there. Okay. Yeah. I was just going to say. So, and I, you know, that basically opened the door, right? So, and I'm going somewhere with this. So he said, what do you, you know, somebody health wise, bad shoulder, uh, you know, deteriorating lungs, whatever, you know, just getting older, right? You're aging out of bow hunting. You've been a diehard bow hunter. In this case, this guy was a diehard traditional hunter for over 50 years, right? He's in his late seventies now. And he was like, you know, I respect, you know, your thoughts. I'm thinking about hanging it up. Uh, but I've been kicking around the idea of a crossbow. What do you think? Right. And I said, look, that's exactly what you should do is take a crossbow and go hunting. You've been a hunter your whole life. Like why deny yourself other than not being able to pull the poundage and hold the bow weight. He shot, you know, a recurve bow up until last year. Uh, he kept lowering his poundage. Uh, and so with a recurve, obviously a little different, a compound, you don't, you know, you don't have any less, you know, let off. So you're, you're holding what you draw. Um, and, but his shoulders are bad and his heart's bad and he can't even do a compound. And I said, that's exactly, you know, look, go for it, man. Don't, don't sit the bench, you know, and he's kicking it around. And he said, well, you know, what do you do? You know, do you carry a crossbow and gun season and this and that? He's like, well, you know, and I said, well, it's different for everybody. And this is where I'm going with this because me being from Pennsylvania and how big of an impact the opening day has had on my life, right? The opening day in the, in those couple days before between Thanksgiving and the first day of gun season, which was traditionally the Monday after Thanksgiving, the, the level of impact that had on my life, even when I was at my core, the hardest hardcore bow hunter you could be. I mean, hunting with a recurve, you know, shooting at, and I say at four and five, you know, at least four year old bucks, if not five, you know, four years old and older inside the 20 yard line. That's how that was my limitations with a bow and arrow. And <clears throat> I never once hung up the gun for gun season because at the end of the day, it, it I am who I am because of that PA buck season. And, uh, you know, when I was 10, 11, 12 years old and participating in that, that molded me into the person I am today. So, you know, I just could never, ever, ever not carry a gun. If I had a tag, I could not participate in the gun hunt. And I don't think anybody should be ashamed or feel different about it. If you're a bow hunter your whole life. And, you know, like in this person's case that this, 
it does he doesn't believe that crossbows belong in bow season. So whether they do or not, that's it's all a matter of opinion, and we all know what mine is, but it's still a matter of opinion. Um, but he shouldn't, I, I feel like, don't hang it up, dude. Like, this, you're still good. Go. That's what it's for, you know? But my whole point to this is that tradition that runs so thick and deep in Pennsylvania that you're going to experience with your son on Saturday or, you know, Friday evening, the Fishmas Eve, and, uh, you know, me and my kids last weekend and for the youth day and then this weekend for the opening day. Um, man, you don't see that in a lot of places anymore throughout the country. Like, we're very fortunate to be experiencing that. Yeah. You know, it's, um, it's uh, like a rite of passage. It is a rite, uh, yeah, rite of passage in Western PA. It's just how... Uh, boys grow up and yeah it's uh that's that, that's a good way to put it ryan it's you know somebody said one time well said. they said you know what it is like i i did i don't remember the exact question but i remember somebody asking me like about the opening day and, and going to camp you know pennsylvania and i was like you know how, maybe it was something along the terms of how did you get started or why and it was like i, I don't know it's just what we did Right. And, and when I say we, yeah. it, uh, maybe not everybody, but I could probably had an easier time figuring out who didn't go to deer camp when I was 12 years old, rather than trying to explain to somebody who was at deer camp. Does that make sense? Like, you know, yeah. you could count on one hand, the amount of people that weren't at some sort of deer camp or participating in the hunt at some level, whether you're a camp cook, you know, or at the shooting range on Saturday and Sunday or, I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's one of those deals I've said for a long time. If you've never experienced it, seek somebody out from PA and beg them to take them, take you to camp because uh, it is a lot of fun. It's just like a rite of passage, Western Western PA. That is a good way to put it, Ryan. Very well articulated there. Nice job. Oh, thank you. Well, here we go. Yeah, there we go. So, uh, wow, that was a a long way to kick off episode five there. So, uh, but yeah, again, if you guys, uh, any Bubba listeners out there, let us know how you feel about that. Uh, You know, we have uh, our email, Bubba at BubbaTheHunter.com and Boy, we can't stress enough the Bubba hotline. How much easier can it be? You can send a text or uh, leave us a voice message. And we got another one to uh, put on here, Ryan. But uh, the Bubba hotline, 812-641-5501. And we'll definitely put that in the, the notes and info along with this episode. You know, one but, day, uh, I think maybe yeah. we'll be able to take live calls. Yeah, we could do that. That that would be neat. It would be uh, neat. Yeah. If we get more than five listeners... Maybe, we'll, maybe, yeah, because we'll, <laughs> when we approach the 10 listener mark, we maybe the 10 we'll, listener mark, we'll start taking live calls. Yeah, live calls. The Bubba Hot, Bubba Hot. And what time is yeah. it in Germany? We'll, we'll have to probably oh. reschedule our uh, recording time to get our one. Yeah, we'll do that too. Oh, and uh, or we'll have to figure out what time it is in Japan too, in the UK, that we got some downloads out there while we talk about some Bubba shout outs here. Right? Yeah, people call me Bubba, it's like one of them old redneck boys. Can you believe that? Uh, we finally got some Japan listeners. The Bubba's uh, in Japan um, got some they some downloads in Japan and the UK too. So hey, thanks guys. That, awesome. that is great to see. Yeah. yeah, awesome to see out there. So uh, yeah, please shoot us an email, text, uh, you know, whatever's easiest for you wherever you're at. Uh, definitely, we'll, and we'll put it on here. All right. So in fact, uh, we have uh, so the one. Uh, voicemail we got from uh, Reed. He was uh, interested in recipes, uh, so he left a you know a, a nice little uh, recording here for us. So uh, let's uh, kick that one off. I'll push that button and uh, let's listen to see what Reed has to say. Hello, please leave a message after the tone. All right, here I am, guys. I want recipes. You know, Ryan, you've been hunting forever. You know, probably longer than I've been alive. You know, let's hear some recipes. You got the executive chef. Uh, what did you say, brother, brother-in-law, whatever. Let's hear it, man. Give us give us some recipes, real-world things that Bubba's going to use. I'm going to tell you right now, that's what we want to hear, too. You got to finish it off, not just kill it, but you got to grill it. You guys are doing good. Ryan, I'm sorry, not Ryan. Rob, we want to hear more from you. You sound more like a Bubba than Ryan. Ryan's a seasoned vet. Thanks, guys. Keep it up. Nice job. Talking about duck legs, 
how do you cook those? Uh, yeah, there's lots of different ways. You can confit, you can slow cook. Um, one of my favorite uh, recipes of all time is uh, duck guisetto. I learned it when I worked with Lydia, um, Lydia Bastianich, and guisetto in Italian is basically a stew. So it's duck legs cooked in um, in stock with carrots, onions, porcini mushrooms, tomato paste, um, and just low and slow for hours uh, till it just becomes tender and you let it all cool down and you shred it and you add it back to the liquid. And then we put it with pasta or gnocchis or, you know, really anything. But, you know, there's just a multitude of ways to do it um, that turns out wonderful. So we're with, uh, you know, we, we have the Bubba, the Bubba hotline and, some, and we had a, a listener call in and ask for more recipes. So we've reached out to one of the best. Uh, my brother-in-law, Jeremy Voitish, is here to tell us how to cook all things wild. And right now we're on um, confit, uh, which I'm fascinated with. Because I, I back to that. So you take solidified duck fat, right? And then basically, or I guess it could be any fat, or is it just duck fat when it's confit? Yeah. Confit, is, it could be cooked in any fat. Um, a lot of times you don't get enough, you know, say if you're doing two legs, there's usually enough fat on the duck to render down and cooking its own liquid. So with confit, what you're doing is you're taking your legs and you're adding salt, sugar, you know, some herbs, spices, what you want. And it sits in this mixture for, you know, like two days. And what ha what's happening is, is taking all the liquid out of the, the legs themselves. So it's, you're left with a fairly dry product. Um, and then you render down your, your duck fat and you cook your legs in it you know, a couple days later, low and slow at a real low temperature so that, you know, nothing's burning, um, the fat doesn't with, with duck fat, if you cook it too high temp, you know, you kind of lose that, that flavor of it. It just becomes oil. So, um, with the, with the confit, it's in oil, it's in its own fat, low and slow a couple hours. And what happens is it just becomes just super tender and it's just emulsified with all this flavor of the duck fat. So it's like taking a duck leg and supercharging it with duck flavor. Nice. Super this is making me hungry like here. That. Duck fat rolls. <laughs> so, yeah, duck fat definitely mm. rolls. Mm. Um, yep. What is? Do you know the smoke point of duck fat? Say compared. You know, I don't know it off the top of my head. I mean, just um, ballpark. Is it compared to like canola oil? Is it higher? Well, it's not going to be in the two hundreds. You know, I. You can sear with it, um, but it's not like I, I. I see duck fat as more of a, a finishing method or like a slow poach or, you know, I feel like the higher you get it, um, you know, the more flavor you lose out of it. So like you get people that like fill fryers with duck fat and then crank it up to like 400 degrees and fry something in it. You're basically just frying it in oil. You know, it's, yeah. I feel it, it lends itself more to flavor, you know, like a lower temperature. So like, like a slow sear, like you could, you could put like a duck breast on where you start, you know, high temp and then you turn it down low, but then you only flip it one time, you know, so that, Skin gets super crispy and, yeah. and wonderful. I'm a big fan of duck breast. I love duck breast. Um, so <clears throat> we can we can transition from that if you will. And I was just thinking, you know, and we talked. I think I don't know if we talked last time, but uh, Rob and I, um, you know, I'm not a big fan of trout eating trout, uh, especially stocked PA trout. Uh, to me, I don't know. You know, who knows what they're a pellet fed fish, right? Yeah, feeding them dog food in the hatchery. I don't know what they feed them, and they just <laughs> taste good. But I know you cook a lot of trout because uh, the boys they like to eat them, right? So, what's your uh, uh, boys love them? Yeah, what's your go to there? Uh, you know, it it varies on what uh, they're in the mood for that day. But um, you know, I love smoking them. You know, smoke. I smoke a lot of stuff on our on our Traegers, as you know. Um, I love to smoke slow smoke trout. Um, it just gets it a great flavor. It doesn't dry out. You can go real slow temperature. Do you brine them? Uh, I typically don't know. Okay. Uh, you can, but it, it's more like a, a cured fish then almost at that point. So, um, especially if it's fresh, I don't, you know, if we could take it right out of the water, trim it up, rinse it off, season it up and goes right on the smoker. Yeah. It's as fresh as you're going to get it, you know? So mm. I, I typically don't brine mine, but you certainly could. Um, and then we, we do a lot of like, you know, um, you know, tempura battered fish as well, where we'll make like a tempura batter and deep fry it. It's great on sandwiches or just great for, it's like, uh, you know, a, a rich man's chicken finger or, you know, fish tenders. So right. it's, 
but the boys love them. Yeah, beer batter is a or a tempura batter, beer batter. That's that's a, that's a good way to go, <clears throat> uh, especially walleye. Um, speaking of walleye, Rob, has your boat come in yet? It doesn't. It comes. I go pick it up uh, next Tuesday. Next Tuesday. So hopefully you'll be able to supply everybody with fresh fish then. Oh, that'd be awesome, right? <laughs> I'll be looking yeah. forward to it. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, yeah. To me, trout. I don't know. I just I, maybe I should try it again. It's probably been. I probably just cooked it in butter years ago and fried it. You know, type of deal. And the bones well, are hard for me to get around too. A lot of times what I do, Ryan, is just I trim the bones out ahead of time. You know, I just, you know, it's such a thin strip of bones anyway. You pull them you know, out you all in one, one, one pull? I just cut it right out, like a little little section. It's only about a quarter of an inch. Uh-huh. You cut those bones just straight out before we sear it, you know. Uh-huh. Just cut them out. I put it back together and sear it that way, and it just stays together. Or you fry it that way, and it just looks like one piece of fish. So um, that way you don't even have to mess with it because no one wants to eat a bone, you know. it's I don't care how manly you are or whatever. It's like you got this freaking fish bone stuck in your throat you're like ah this is awful so it just ruins it you know i I, we eat a lot of walleye here and i you know i find is uh walleye doesn't have that fish taste at all until you bite into the bone like if you get a a filet with a bone in it and you bite through the bone i instantly get that real fishy taste out of the bone itself you know yeah well, it's probably psychological too you're like chewing on a bone you're like ah i just i'm eating a fish now you know so it's probably in your head a little bit too of, you know, it might be like if I picture an apple, you think it would taste like an apple. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you think about what if it like, if you bite into the core of an apple, right? Yeah. Same thing. It doesn't taste like an apple. It's bitter and sour then. Right. Cause you're biting into the seeds. Right. It's kind of the same thing with an apple as, as the bones of the fish. It doesn't, you know, where all the flavor is, is in the, in the flesh, you know, where the bones are, you know, it's, it's not as desirable, you know, so it's the same thing. Right. Um, it's not going to be as good. Yeah, on the walleye, Ryan, you would so you're basically the difference, trout, walleye, you're filleting that walleye, right? Yeah. Opposed to what in the trout. So Jeremy set me through. Um, so you pull them fresh out of the water, or you just like, you know, uh, cleaning them out, cutting the head off, and then just trying and pulling that the bones out there somehow. Yeah, you can do it a bunch of different ways. You can, you know, pull the the center bone out and leave it as two fillets. You can just fillet off the the trout and then you have your two sides. Um, yeah, it really depends on what you're doing. You could just cut it open, throw some lemons in it and, and lay it on the smoker low and slow, and then just peel the skin and everything off. And, um, there's a technique you can, you can just kind of, you know, scrape the, the filet right off the bones, you know, when it's cooked properly, um, with a spoon, even like a spoon and a fork and just take it right off the bones and it comes off, you know, perfectly. Um, it's a little trickier, but you know, you can do it. So. Yeah. You can do anything though. I, I typically I just fillet them off though, trim out the bones because then I know everything's clean and and good and you know everybody's going to eat it and be happy. So yeah, you're yeah. making me want to try it again. Mm-hmm. And Ryan, when you talked about searing, you know, the trout or walleye too. You said you probably just seared it in butter. A lot of things that people run into is when they sear the fish. You know, they they put butter in the pan to start right. So then you know butter has a real low smoke point, it, so the butter burnt. starts to burn. It browns maybe gets past where you want it, you know? So you sear in a real good oil. And then, you know, when you flip the fish over that one time, then you add a pad of butter and you just baste it on there. So you get that nice butter flavor. It might brown a little bit, but it doesn't, you know, it doesn't burn and permeate that fish. It's more like a, a flavor than it is like, you know, a method of searing. So. so for the bubbles out there, what is a real good oil? What do you recommend? Just a really good canola oil uh, to sear in just a, a good vegetable oil. Canola is fine. Um, you know, olive oil you can sear in, but it doesn't really have a really good, you know, high smoke point. So if you're looking to get a good hard crust, yeah, you know, just a, a basic oil is fine. I, now I'm on this duck fat kick here. Could I just put some duck fat in there opposed to the canola oil? You could, yeah, absolutely. It, but back yeah. to the smoke point, then what the smoke point is 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 basically the temperature where the oil or what the fat starts, starts to burn. Starts to burn. Yeah. So yeah, each different oil has a different smoke point. Like I have grapeseed oil, which is a really high smoke point. Canola oil is very high. And then you get down into your olive oils. Extra virgin olive oil is lower than olive oil. I don't know where butter sits in on that scale. And I don't know. Pretty low. And what, it's pretty is, low. The, is duck fat as low as butter? No, no, no. no it's higher. I'd say it's somewhere around an olive oil. You know, it's, it's, it's pretty hardy. I mean, it's not going to burn. I'm just saying, like, duck fat has a really fairly high smoke point. I'm just saying, I feel like when you 
cook with a little less temperature with it, it retains more flavor. You know, you're not really going to burn it. It's not going to get bitter like you would like butter or olive oil or something like that. I'm just saying, in my experience, you get a better flavor profile when it's something that's, you know, slow cooked in it or, you know, fried at a lower temperature type deal. So, you know, I was uh, going through the freezer here. I don't know the other day, Sunday, or I don't even know what day it is, but anyway, and I've got some, I saved, uh, Turkey thighs, Turkey legs and Turkey breast, uh, skin on. So, um, the turkeys that we killed last year, um, I, I skun. So, or excuse me, I plucked and, um, they were skin on. I just saw a mouse run across uh, the beam in my basement, which just startled me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, time of year. he might be the next thing that gets cooked in duck fat. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Duck fat really curve behind you. You'll be fine. Yeah. Oh, where the <laughs> hell he came from? <laughs> anyway, um, I think, you know, I'm going to get that stuff thawed out here. And, uh, you know, turkey thighs, you talk about some people like with a duck, they throw the legs away. And it's, I find the same thing with the, you know, spring turkey season's right around the corner here. And a lot of guys just take the breast meat uh, and they skin it, you know, and man, turkey skin retains all that flavor. And then you get the dark meat of the legs and the thighs, you know, with the skin on. And once you throw some recipes by us with that stuff, I know um, there's a lot of different things you can do. it. Yeah. I mean, the breasts, I mean, they're so, they're so good. I mean, I love to smoke the breasts probably more than anything because they're just, they, they retain so much moisture and flavor when you smoke them. Um, but I mean, there's so many things you can do. I mean, I, I have a dish that, you know, I've done for Thanksgiving's many time where with the wild turkeys, you leave the skin on the bird and you try to take the skin off as whole as you can from the entire bird, the legs, the breast, the thighs, everything. And it takes a little work. But you lay it out and you take the duck breast or the, I'm sorry, the turkey breast and you, you pound it out flat and then you take the, the meat from the, the legs and the thighs and you grind it up and make it almost into a sausage and you stuff it in the breast and roll the whole thing in, in the skin and then sear it oh, and yeah. then cook it all in its own skin. It sounds like, it sounds like a turducken or something like that, but it's, but it's all you turkey. Use yeah. yeah, it's all turkey. Um, but the legs and thighs I love using for, um, yeah, like the, the leg, the bottom of the leg meat, like, um, I like to confit those. Um, you know, cook them in fat. They're great in raviolis or pasta. Um, the thighs I love to make sausage out of. We make a great turkey sausage every spring. Um, you know, that that's just, you know, to die for, you know, as long as you don't overcook it. Like any, any like any wild game, right. it's a matter of not overcooking it and, you know, taking it too far, drying it out. Says so once it's over and, and done, it's there's no coming back for it no matter what you do. Yeah, right. And I tell people all the time that that's the secret with wild game is get a get a meat thermometer and don't overcook it. Like low and yeah. slow is your friend with wild game. Um, and trust it. If your thermometer is calibrated and it says it's at a certain temperature, it is whether you think it is or not. You know, and yeah, leave that, you know, that, leave that heat that that flame go. Let it go. Don't turn it up to high and bring it up to temperature. You know, just let it go yeah. and and be patient with it. That's the that's the key. With the thighs, um, I think just last year I braised some down, you know, to where the meat was falling off the bone, and then made uh, turkey tacos. Uh, yeah. You know, you get a lot of meat out of two wild turkey thighs. I mean, they're big. Yeah, they're like do. a chicken thigh. They're big. And, uh, yeah, I think that lasted us a couple of days. That meat. <clears throat> yep. tacos, I mean, man, that's a, uh, that's good. Rob, you getting hungry yet? Oh man. I've been hungry. As soon as we started talking about <laughs> duck fat in the beginning, <laughs> need to get my duck fat from duck char. Yeah. Duck char. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, what, duck char. Send me my duck fat. Yeah. I wonder what's going on with them in transit. Yeah. In transit. Maybe in the whole world right now. Everything's in transit. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Duck's yeah. flying in here right now. So what else we have with on the, uh, I don't know. That's a, that's a lot of, that's a lot of good information about cooking with wild game. How about over the fire? You know, I just, I bought a, I bought a book. Um, it's called over the fire cooking because for some reason I decided, I know exactly why Jeremy knows about my, my new house and I have all these trees. I have a lot of hickory trees. I have some cherry trees. I've been cutting trees and I'm like, man, I hate to just burn these. So, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm having some logs sawn into a couple beams and a mantle, but then some of the smaller stuff, especially the hickory and a cherry and the maple, I've been just stockpiling the firewood and I thought I'm going to cook with over, over the fire cooking. So, um, there's a book out there called over the fire cooking. I don't know, Jeremy, if you saw it. Um, and what's uh, Who's that? Is that, um, Derek is his name, Derek. 
I don't remember. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll go look that up. Yeah, it's on the. Uh, if you look on the Instagram, Eric, Eric Wolf. Wolf. Yeah, over the fire cooking. Yeah, what well, he has a great Instagram yeah. feed there. He's always got recipes on and there. Jeremy, I mean, I feel like this is right up your alley. You need to check him out on the gram. But um, I, that's my next my next tackle. I think is I'm going to start uh, cooking some stuff over the fire with some of the trees. That uh, there we go. Some of the trees that um, I cut right here on the on the property. You know, it, it's just like uh, you know. There's nothing like cooking over open flame. You know, it just gives it that that flavor, and um, I don't know if it's just the the smokiness of it, or maybe it's just the primal instinct of of man cooking over fire again. You know that that makes it taste different or or better or or whatever it is, but um, you know, there's so many things you can do with it, you know, you know, as far as like charring and searing or cooking right in, you know, in the fire and foil or, you know, it's just, there's a bunch of ways to do it, you know, so you can even bake in it, you know, you can put pans in there and with two, two Dutch ovens and bake in a fire. Yeah, so, that's yeah. A friend of mine, Reed, he, he uses a cowboy grill. Yeah. Oh boy. He can just outdoors, uh, you know, for tailgates and stuff. He's cooked a lot of stuff. He uses a, a woke or a walk. Hawk. Walk, yeah, a walk right on the cowboy grill too. You're, you're getting uh, woke. <laughs> There's no wokeness going on here. Yeah, I was say, let's not get woke. That, that is not public territory right there. No way. So a walk. I yeah, so sign up he for does that. some. Yeah, for sure. Uh, he does some, you know, cooking with that cowboy grill, throw it on the back of his truck, and bring it, you know, bring it to tailgates and get a fire going on it. He's got different apparatuses on it, different grates on it. Throws a walk on it. Oh, he cooked some awesome gravy and biscuits yeah. uh, for a, like a brunch a few weeks ago. It was just, it was great. But yeah, the, the cowboy grill, that's what you need to get now, Ryan. You need to get a cowboy grill out there in your your backyard with all that uh, wood you got going yeah, on. Yeah, that might be the next thing. And you know, it's a, it's, it's, it's interesting that you say about, uh, you know, maybe it's just something primal about cooking over a flame or a fire, what have you, you know, but when you start cooking, um, you realize that it's it's a source of heat. It doesn't matter where your heat comes from, right? It's a source of heat. But the I think, especially when we were experiencing the Traeger, um, you know, it traps the smoke in there for a little while, and that smoke adds moisture. Um, you know, especially if you're using a wetter wood or a pellet, uh, there's some moisture in that smoke, which keeps, and then with a Traeger, you know, you have the lid closed, so it's trapping that moisture in there. If there's any steam coming off of what you're cooking, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But I think a lot of people are intimidated by fire um, because it's not an oven or it's not, you know, uh, your stove. But think about it. Your gas stove in your kitchen is essentially an open flame, right? It's just it's just different fuel. Um, yeah. You know, so, I, I, yeah, I, I don't know what it is. It's just try it. But, like, yeah, I read a little bit of Derek's book here. And, uh, you know, he says he'd like to know how many meals he screwed up cooking over a fire before he kind of got it down, you know. but it's just what it is, you know. Um, I, I don't know. I think it's pretty neat, actually. I think it is primal. I think it is. Uh, it's just neat to do. Uh, I think it's neat to do because society has gotten so far away from it. It's like we find ourselves trying to come back full circle, I think, a little bit, you know. Um, I think the great thing about fire, too, is typically it's the environment, too. You know, it's typically if you're out, if you're having a fire, you're outdoors, you know. You're, oh, yeah, good you're outside. You know, you're enjoying your environment. You're uh, you're in the woods, or you're in your backyard, or you have a cold beer in your hand. Typically, or at least I do. Um, <laughs> oh, absolutely. You know, if there's a fire, I have a cold beer. So, you know, it, it's about your environment too. You know, it, it's more fun. You know, it's it's more enjoyable because you're already doing something you like to do. You know, you're just adding a cooking component to it. Apparently, I I have an audience. Um, the mouse is now sitting on the beam, just kind of staring at me, about ten foot away. I feel like he's really into this. And he's a he's a Boone and Crockett mouse too, man. This sucker's big. <laughs> you have to put him on the grill. Yeah. <laughs> he's just like open flame. looking at me. <laughs> his big mouse. Hey, kill that and grill it. Kill it and grill it, right? Yeah. He's gonna I got a couple traps down here. He's gonna get caught. Whack him and stack him. That's it. <laughs> <clears throat> Not to interrupt the open flame cooking, but yeah. Um the cowboy grill. And Derek, he has a whole chapter on his book on on different apparatuses you can use uh, for cooking over fire. Um, but 
I, it's, it sounds like to me, Rob, that we're going to all have to get together and uh, make Jeremy cook for us. Oh, yeah. That's fine. You know, I'd like to definitely do that this summer. We talked about having a wild game cook uh, cookout on a couple episodes ago. I know you got everything from your Q's deer to some whitetail, obviously, to the beaver you trapped. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, we'll we gotta see what else we got in there. But it'd be nice to have a, a good wild game cook there. We can podcast live from that. Yeah, and then you get your 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 fishing boat, and you could fill us up on the fishing side. The we can yeah, regular, absolutely. Uh, we can do what's that called? A um, man, I'm drawing a blank. Surf and turf, surf and turf sort of thing. Yeah, yeah surf yeah. and turf. Speaking of fishing, Jeremy, have you ever cooked up any snakehead? Um. Yeah, I don't think I have. Um, I've eaten it a few times, but I don't think I've actually ever cooked right. it before. So I'm going to head head? out to the water tomorrow. Jeremy, you've eaten snakehead? That's what you said? Yeah, I've had it a few times. I've, I don't think I've ever cooked it, though, myself. Yeah. It, Rob tells me it's quite good table fare. It is. Just don't tell too many people, but uh, it is good. Yeah, I like it. I'm going to, I was out there getting, getting a kayak loaded up, everything ready, getting some things uh, geared up, go out tomorrow. That's the plan. Leave work a little early on a Friday. Who needs an excuse to leave work early? Yeah. There you go. There you so go. Go uh, do some fishing on the, some uh, spots for some snakehead tomorrow. There are na- I was watching some YouTube videos again on snakeheads, man. They are a nasty looking fish. Hmm. The yeah. thing is, uh, it's pretty cool looking really, if you really start staring at it. Oh, it is. Yeah, especially you get the, 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 it seems like the smaller they are, the bigger they are, they kind of get darker, it seems. But uh, you get that 20 to 24 inch kind of slot area. Yeah, it's a kind of a pretty looking fish, but uh, they are just a blast to catch. And I've said it before, I think they should be game fish. um, And they're good to eat. Good table fare for sure. Good deal. So I'd love to have, uh, maybe I can bring one or two up to our game feed. That'd be cool. Yeah. And we got to do that. Definitely. Yeah. My buddy Reed wants to make a trip up the Western Pennsylvania. So we need to set it up in a week. Maybe we can have it at my camp. Yeah. That's we'll uh, get his cowboy grill there and uh, cook up some. Get the cowboy grill game. and empty the freezers yeah. and see what we come up with. Get a few yeah. beers and. Yeah. Sounds like. Speaking a, my language. There we go. <laughs> it's a, it's right near your. uh hometown there jeremy so uh you know we could all kind of central area for everybody right sounds good sounds like a plan all yeah. right we'll get it on the calendar it's a good that's a good ending good deal hey jeremy thanks for coming on man that absolutely was a good talk. i like it yeah that's uh appreciate it i think we could just we ought to just uh jeremy's the bubba the hunter chef now there you go. The official Bubba the Hunter Bubba Chef. The Hunter Chef. You're now our sixth listener. And, uh, <laughs> and, and congrats, you made the team. There you go. <laughs> Extensive interview, but you're on. It was tough. It was tough. Yeah. <laughs> you guys bargain hard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good deal. Hey, how you doing? Oh, hey, yeah. Time for some Bubba news. Talking here, having a discussion about whether or all right, so some bubba news. Uh, so a record muskie caught in Maryland. So, you know, this was caught my attention. I saw it on the outdoor wire. Uh, definitely that's uh, my current home state as I live uh, just outside of Annapolis, Maryland. So here is this record, record muskie caught in Maryland. And Ryan, I don't know if you've ever heard, you know that the muskie is known as a fish of a thousand casts or a fish of 10,000 casts. What? So, uh, so yes. I did. So, but, you know, very hard to catch. And if you go out for a whole weekend and you get one bite or catch one, that is a very successful uh, musky, a musky trip. So uh, in this case, Kyle Mullinex of Hagerstown, Maryland, recently caught a 33-pound, 49-inch long record musky on March 2nd. And he was on the banks of the Upper Potomac River, Using a seven-foot spinning rod and live bait. Yeah, and I wonder, wonder what like live bait. Like, what was he using? A shad? I mean, you know, I picture, uh, you know, when I think of live bait, or if you ask my kids, like they'll think a worm, right? But yeah, um, I, I'd be interested to hear, you know, what he was using. Was he on the bottom? You know, how how would that rig look like? Like you're thrown off the bank because, <clears throat> well. Is it really a fish of, in the article, 10,000 cast if you're using live bait? Because at that point, you're just casting it out and letting the bait do its thing, right? 
So, yeah, you're just throwing chunk out and letting it soak, right? right? So, I, so. Uh, you know, they, I know the guys, that, as they call it, throw for musky. Um, you know, they use those big musculine lords. Have you saw those things? Oh, I have, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, you got to have a truck just to get your lures to the, to the you know what I mean? <laughs> Uh, and they, yeah. you know, cast after cast after cast after cast. So I wonder if they're a little bit offended, actually, that this guy had live bait and just chunked it out there with a maybe an egg bobber, you know, on a stick that he broke off and just kind of leaned his pole there, cracked a few coldies. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then just throw some chunk out there. Maybe he had uh, some bunker. But, you know, it would be nice to see what Kyle was using. So that would be, if anybody knows Kyle, if uh, he's one of our 10 listeners. <laughs> That'd be, that'd be neat to find out. Cause yeah, the article just says live bait that covers a lot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I kind of, uh, agree. One of those guys, especially, uh, some of those YouTubers that we see musky fishing up in, uh, Wisconsin, Minnesota, up that way seems to be a popular area and they, uh, they call it burning eights, right? So you're casting out there, uh, the 10,000 casts and you come in and you do that. Have you ever seen that, yeah, Ryan? They do like the, the, burnt, the figure eight when they bring it up towards the boat. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times that's where they uh, end up catching. Yeah. So the musk, it but, follows the lure in like to the yeah. boat. And then if it goes for some reason, uh, and maybe it's just a reaction type thing since they're a predatory type fish, but in a straight line, they're like, no, you know, they just turn away at the boat. But if you, if that lure makes the lore's figure eight action causes a reaction, which is a bite yeah. out of the fish. So it's very interesting. They catch a lot of them, you know, three to five feet from the boat. Yeah, that's uh, it's pretty neat. Those are I like I enjoy watching some of those videos. Those are pretty prehistoric animals too, if you look at them. Like that, yeah. you know, that's not far removed from the dinosaur. <laughs> yeah, and it's as big as that one is. Heck, thirty-three pounds, forty-nine inches long. He was on his way to being a dinosaur. Right, a record in the state of Maryland. So, yeah, I'd like to know what that that live bait was. That uh, that would be that'd be just yeah, yeah, interesting to know. We wouldn't even have to even publish it, right? Yeah, you can just let us know, Kyle. I, you know, the one uh, one quote in the article, I, I got to read it that uh, Kyle Hood put in here. He says, uh, "Quote: He put up a good fight, but we didn't think it was that big until it was on the bank." Millock said. Things don't always go as planned, but now life has gotten a lot better. Yeah. So right there, a Bubba fisherman right there. His life just got better catching a state record. Yeah. You know what? That's I, like winning the lottery. I read that too, and I thought the exact same thing. Like, life is better <laughs> now, buddy. I got this big, giant muskie hanging on my wall. It's all downhill muskie fishing. all downhill. Right? Yeah. How do you top that, you know? I think I think you hang up the musky fishing right there. And you just move on to something else. I've caught one musky in my life. <clears throat> yeah, I've not. I've never caught a musky. I was with someone that caught one at the yacht, uh, but I uh, never caught one myself. I, I haven't reached ten thousand casts apparently. Yeah, I've not either. But you know, growing up, um, not knowing the difference between musky and pike, uh, right. I wonder how many people caught pike and said they caught a, a musky lounge. Yeah, especially uh, in the rivers. Right. So let's Might talk some bubbles out there to have some info. So since you want to talk a little bit of, off topic, but river fishing, sure. you talk about the Yawkegany River. So I live, and this is for some of the listeners out there, about a mile. Um, let's see. I live a mile north of the Yawkegany River, which I think is one of the best kept secrets uh, fisheries probably in, in the east or the northeast maybe. Oh, I think uh, along with the Susquehanna, but let's keep that uh, right. a little on the DL. Yeah, here, huh? the Susquehanna may be more notable because it's so big, right? Like, yeah. <clears throat> but the Yakagani, it's not that big if you think about it. I mean, it basically stocks, starts at the Yak Dam and Castleman flows into it, and you know it dumps off into the Monongahela, <clears throat> uh, which flows down into Pittsburgh. Um, at some point, I don't know exactly how far, but I think, and you may you may know this, but correct me if I'm wrong, but I think at some point the Yakagani is the only river in the north, and you can Google this if you're on your Google machine, that flows north for a little while. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Well, I, the Shenandoah flows north for a little while in uh, Virginia, so I, I, it might not be the only one, but... Uh, you know, another yeah. off topic, was that John one Denver, John Denver uh, Shenandoah Mountains... Um, I just saw a meme. What's that? West Virginia, Mountain Mama, take me home. So, you know, the part of that, that song where he sings about the Shenandoah Mountains? I don't, but go on. You don't know that song? Oh, well, I, I've heard it. Right. Well, he sings about the Shenandoah Mountains, and then 
at one point somebody put a, a map of where the San Shenandoah Mountains are and they're like on the eastern side of West Virginia on the western side of Virginia and somebody wrote it was really funny to me for some reason I just thought it was hilarious like he was actually talking about Virginia <laughs> John Denver song you know West Virginia take me home um yeah. Anyway, our Japan bubbles, you can Google that. It's a good song. It'll stick in your mind. So anyway, back to yeah. the Yakagani. Not it doesn't matter that it flows north, but it does at some point. Um right. so I've been looking at buying a raft um with a a frame, a frame raft to fish the yak because I've I've mountain biked and you know alongside and fished off the banks my whole life. And I've been in plenty of rafts. I've never owned one, um, but there's a raft, uh, NRS. There's a bunch. If you start Googling fishing rafts, or, right. you know, tube rafts or frame rafts, if you will, uh, with a bottom. There's some bottomless lat rafts or some pontoon type rafts. And I have a buddy out in Montana, Eric Hess. Shout out to Eric. Yeah, he he may be one of our ten listeners. He's a loyal friend. Um, he's a fishing guide in Montana, out of Missoula, and you know he has rafts and drift boats just kind of hanging around the house all over the place. So he's probably rolling his eyes as I say this because I've talked to him for a few times about different rafts. I just haven't pulled the trigger. But since the kids and Jackson and uh, Rocco loves the fish, and Jackson seems to, that he's going to love the fish, of like you know what. It's time for a raft because we have, I think it is. we have this great fishery right here. Um, oh my, I yeah, can you do. be there. I mean, literally, you know, if I, it, you know, I can be there in five minutes and, you know, I mean, we're, we're talking a half hour from the time I, you know, load the raft and we're, we're floating, you know, tops half hour. Oh. Yeah. And, and the yacht is great for float trips. I've done it a number of times. A friend of mine, Alex, uh, from back home, he, he, and, uh, Another buddy, Jack, they do a lot of floats there uh, for, the, for the smallies. Yeah. So uh, it is definitely a good place to do some floats, and we use kayaks typically. Uh, but, yeah, I think you definitely need to get that raft. We need to uh, start looking there, that up. Yeah, with the young one, though, Jackson and five and as energetic as he is, I would have to strap him to a kayak. <laughs> like the raft maybe would be a little more maneuverable. Right. A little more to contain them in a little too. And then also when, when I was younger, I did a lot of fishing on the, the yacht. Um you know, the upper yawk actually, or that would be the middle yawk, I think. Well, it would been the upper and the middle, but in that colder, faster water for trout. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> you know, when you get in the lower yawk where you're talking for the smallies, I mean, I mean, that's like a, you know, nice five hour. I mean, I, I floated that and drug a Kohler, you know what I mean? Like right. a couple beers, you know, you're just kind of, but the, the middle and the upper, especially in the wintertime, you get, you can get some rapids, um, but man, the fishing is phenomenal, especially trout. I mean, big browns, hook jaw trout. I mean, I don't know if you ever fished that part, but uh, I used to yeah. January and February. I used to fish. I had a roll. I used to fish the the middle yawk until the snakes came out. So I would start like right after muzzleloader season, the late or late flintlock season. So like yeah. January tenth or whatever that would go out, and then I would start fishing. Um, so brutal. Brian, you were breaking the Western PA mold there by uh, going out and fishing uh, before the opening day uh, trout season. Right. So on a river for you. And but right. yeah, and honestly, there was there's more people than you realize that that do that. Um, I ran nice. into a lot of guys, still with lifelong friends with some of them actually that I met on the river. But uh, man, you could because the that the middle and the upper yawk has some deep water, so those trout just live there. Um, just some giant, and I was just Googling it the other day on YouTube, uh, some um, uh, trout fishing on the Yawk Middle, and some guy, he had like a just giant big hook jaw brown that he caught. I, almost, nice. I, I can almost picture the rock he was on, uh, you know, off the bank type of deal. But man, that, that just makes me want to go fishing right now. But anyway, looking at the rafts, NR, I think it's the NR, NRS raft or NRC raft. I think you're right, yeah. yeah. Um so that may be that may be a purchase coming up here. Yeah, NRS raft. Yeah, yeah, good deal. I hope you do. You need to get that, and I'll bring the yaks up. Uh, my son ha has his own uh, kayak now. He's eleven. Uh, so yeah, we could do a float in the yacht. There you go. We we'll talk about that and maybe get some a couple listeners down with us. How about it? Yeah, good deal. Yeah. So speaking of trout, yeah. fishing. 
you stumbled on an article. I don't know how you found this one. I don't know what you're Googling. <laughs> like if your computer develops algorithms and then just shows you type stuff, but you found an article, trout appear to get hooked on meth. <laughs> All right. and say that again so they get hooked on meth on meth right oh my, like yeah i don't know should we be using it as bait like i don't know anything about meth like i just know like from the television series uh was that breaking bad that's about my knowledge of meth and i didn't even watch the whole thing maybe two seasons but anyway so i read the article and it, when I, when so the the headline let me just put it this way. And I think other Bubba's are going to do the same thing that I did. The headline are like, what? Like what? Trout hook on meth? Like, why do I? And how do we know? Yeah. So A, how do we know? Why do I need to know this? Why is this even relevant? Right. And then of right. course I read the article and I'm like, well, that makes sense. So basically I'll give it to you in Bubba terms rather than layman's terms. Um, there we go. Yeah. So, and, and you can interject or stop me anywhere along the way, but here was my take. And I, I would have never thought this and I'm glad somebody did, but unfortunately, since methamphetamines are a huge problem in certain areas, they end up in the water table, right? So they're flushed down the toilet, they're dumped down the sink, what have you, and they end up in our water table. They end up in our streams, they end up in our rivers, they end up in places we don't need them. And <clears throat> there's a way to figure out what levels of methamphetamines are in occupying the water table. So what well, was a Czech or a, it was a university out of Prague, I think, that actually conducted the study and they correlated the levels of methamphetamines in the public waters and they duplicated it in a uh, confined environment, I guess, if you will. And they took, I believe it was 180 wild trout and put them in the methamphetamine water for, was it four days? A, a two week period. Two week period. Okay. Yep. Yep. And then, put them in a tank where they had access to either perfectly fresh water or methamphetamine water. And of course they went to the methamphetamine water, which yeah, just, I don't they were know. Hooked. They're hooked. So, I mean, I guess like that would make sense. Like, okay. A, I can't believe somebody did this. B, what did you expect? I, I didn't even realize there was methamphetamines in the water, but if there is, it's very, very addictive. So why would it not be addicted to it? Um, so then you have to ask, well, what does it matter? And it, when you go from a reproduction standpoint and a biological standpoint and all that, <clears throat> any of those synthetic substances like that are going to have effect. So that's why it needs paid attention to. And that is just amazing to me that we thought that for, and that's why it's so important to buy a license and support conservation organizations and support the state agencies because they are conducting, maybe not that type of study right here, but somebody is conducting that study and the research is out there because it can affect the population of wild trout at some point. So we need to pay attention to that. And there you go. Trout apparently become hooked on methamphetamine. Well, along the lines of more trout in Virginia, gill lice detected in Virginia trout. So uh, fisheries biologists within the Virginia Department of Wildlife Resources recently identified gill lice on rainbow trout in Blue Springs Creek. That is a tributary to Cripple Creek located in Smith and Wythe counties. Let me stumble over those words there a little right. bit. Nonetheless, gill lice, as you could imagine, this tiny little parasite parasitic uh, type of zooplankton that attached to the fish's gills. So the pictures, you, they have pictures of this this trout and sure enough, open up the gills and this little white lice in there. Yeah. So uh, that's just you know, crazy. So the first thing I have is like, oh man, all right, I catch these fish. We talked about keeping or not. I'm, I definitely would be hands off that. I wouldn't want nothing to do with that. Generally, as the article goes on, it can generally be tolerated. Uh, as long as the infection is not heavy and it can have a negative impact on the fish's bill, a fish ability to breathe. Right. Um, 
But uh, yeah, so if you are in Virginia or anywhere else that happen to catch a trout with the gill lice, it is safe to eat just uh, as long as the fish is cooked properly. And you can just, you know, it looks like in these pictures here, you can just kind of like pick the lice out of the gills uh, and process the fish as you typically would. So, so yeah. Well, you know, so I'm going to play, I'm going to give you the devil's advocate and yes. here comes the biology side of me, right? So unfortunately... I have been around a lot of dead animals and their flesh in a microscope. And I can tell you with certainty, with certainty, if you have seen the organisms and the little, uh, I don't even, paras the parasitic copiods that live in fish tissue under a microscope, you would never eat sushi ever. <laughs> and not only that, even in white-tailed deer, like, the white-tailed deer carry all sorts of little parasites. I shot a bear uh, in Canada one time that I could actually, when we scunned the bear, I could see the trichinosis. Um, you could just see these little, they were, it was so infected with trick that you could literally see the meat moving when we scunned the bear. Uh, wow. Yeah. So bear meat, fish, um, White-tailed deer bot flies, nasal bot flies, right? So there's a fly that actually only lays its eggs in the nasal passage of a, of a deer, right? So it lays its eggs, and then the larva uh, turns into larva, maggots, and then obviously a fly hatch inside of a deer's nose. And it is, I mean, it is more common than it's, I mean, you have killed, I don't know how many deer you've killed in your life, but I guarantee you you've killed deer with larva in its nose and not even known. Um, there are a few other larvae that is that there's so many larvae and I need to have, and we need to have a couple of my biologist friends on here because I'm, I, I've, some of it, I, I've been so accustomed to all oh, that, that, that now I'm, I'm trying a blank, but like Kip Adams, Matt Ross, Mr. Joe Hamilton, the founder of the QDMA. I mean, it, those guys have studied this stuff and they've pointed it out to me where I, especially in whitetail deer, I've scunned so many butchered so many deer and just never even thought to look really really close until one time i remember in the south uh, me and mr joe one time we're, we're cutting up a deer and he started showing me stuff and i'm like oh my goodness gracious but yeah so this stuff happens a lot um they're wow yeah they're pointing it out you've eaten it you've cooked it it's you hit the nail on the head cook it well uh not well done um I mean, cook it properly uh, to temperature. Uh, and most of this stuff is very harmless, but it is there. Trichinosis, especially in bear. Um, I think it's trichinosis it, it happens in, uh, in in the United States in, in pig meat, um, mountain lion meat, a lot, of, a lot of your predatory type animals. But uh, bear, like 80% or over 80% of the, the, the trick positive cases in the United States come from undercooked bear meat um wow yeah. that's interesting yeah. so this skill lice is the least of our yeah uh, worries really is as you wow so knowing what i know about bear meat um yeah. Yeah. as you know we have a, a a first day of bear season and you know we have the bear miss eve if you will the in bear camp <laughs> and people are you know you always end up somebody has bear jerky or try this bear meat or this or that and the other and over time when i was younger i used to eat everything right over time I've started to shy away from the bear meat just because I don't know how somebody cared for it uh, or cooked it. And I've never had trichinosis, but I know people who have. And <clears throat> they say, <laughs> I have one friend that said that it's almost worth getting trichinosis just to get the antibiotic that they, once they identify what your problem is, because I guess when they give you the antibiotic or whatever drug it is that they give you, it's almost an instantaneous release. <laughs> he said, it's almost worth, it's almost worth having it just to feel that sense of relief. <laughs> but, um, wow. it, it is a, a joint aching fever, runny, but you know, everything just, it just doesn't go away. No, uh, yeah. that so, doesn't sound fun at all. No, cook your bear meat to one sixty. Uh, always remember that bear and if somebody tries to give you mountain lion uh, or wild boar uh, 
you cook it to 160, 155, it's going to go up to 160, you know, pull it off at 155, 156, it's going to get over that 160 mark and you're going to be good to go. When you, you try to cook bear meat or pork meat um, at that medium rare temperature, man, you're, you're playing with fire. So even with trichinosis, this is worth mentioning uh, that, you know, we eat a lot as we, as, uh, United, you know, society, we eat a lot of chicken, which can contain salmonella. Um, but we eat a lot of, we consume a lot of pork, uh, which I just said can contain a lot of trichinosis. Um, we have through genetic, whatever have basically all the domesticated pork in the United States is basically trick free, like no trichinosis. Like you're, could almost eat it raw from my research. Like I would never recommend that, but they have through genetic breeding and everything they do inline breeding. I don't know how exactly it works, but very, 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 very few cases of trichinosis come from USDA approved uh, pork and such. So it's, that's, you know, a still cook at the temperature. Don't take the chance. But at the end of the day, feel a little bit of relief if maybe you're not the best in the kitchen that, you know, if you do maybe slightly or lightly undercook it, that you're probably going to be okay. But the wild game, pay attention to what you're doing there. That's a, that's, sounds like that's wor words of wisdom right there. Yeah. Thinking any final shots? One more cast for episode five. Um, uh, final shots, one more cast. No, you know, we're going to anything go. on deck. All right. So we have the trout and then, man, you know, we were all pretty quickly into, uh, turkey season right after that. So there you go. Good deal. Yep. Good deal. So, all right, Ryan. All right. I guess that's episode five right there. there. You got anything else? That's it. Wrap that it up. That's a wrap right there, Bubba's. All right. Until next time, Bubba's. Okay. Go catch some fish. Later.